right, welcome to another episode of Piecing It Together, the podcast where we take a look at a new movie and try to figure out what movies inspired it. And today on the show, we are talking about Dumb Money, the new film from Craig Gillespie, starring Paul Dano as Roaring Kitty, the guy who led a whole bunch of nerds to buy GameStop stocks and created this whole insane story back in the days of the pandemic just a couple of years ago, uh, but we'll get into it. And joining me to talk about it is Shahab Sargari. He's a filmmaker I met at the Nevada Women's Film Festival, and we had a great time talking about this one. A lot of interesting things to get into. Uh, fun episode coming up. Before we get to it, I do want to remind you, as always, to make sure you are subscribed to Piecing It Together wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on social media at PiecingPod and join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces, where we continue the conversation about all the movies we talk about here on the show. Also, while there was an ad at the top of the show, I'm going to mention it again anyway because we're just one week away from... Our next live Piecing It Together, downtown Las Vegas at the Art House Theater. We are doing The Exorcist Believer. We'll be joined by my wife, Gina Mazzoni, filmmaker Michael Keane, and filmmaker and Tom Devlin's Monster Museum owner, Tom Devlin, for a really fun conversation after a screening of The Exorcist Believer. It's happening Thursday, October 5th at 6 p.m. at the Art House downtown I hope to see you there. You can check the show notes for how to win tickets, and tickets are available for sale as well. Hopefully we'll see you out. So, with that said, let's get into some dumb money. All right, this should be a fun one. We're going to talk about dumb money, and joining me, we've got Shahab Sargari. Shahab, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, definitely. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to talking about this one. It's a silly, really ridiculous story, and I think it'll be fun to get into. But before we get to it, though, it is your first time on the podcast. So tell my listeners a little about you and what you do. Yeah, so I'm a Las Vegas-based filmmaker, and uh, my day job, if you will, I work at the UNLV College of Fine Arts, and I work with all seven academic units there, uh, kind of you know, promoting all the kinds of really cool things they have going on from the film department to theater, art, architecture, uh, music, and uh, it's fun. Keeps me busy. Right on, right on. And yeah, and we met at the uh, Nevada Women's Film Festival where I saw your uh, The Doomed Shortcut, uh, which is like a cool kind of trippy-ish uh, suspense kind of thriller all in one location. And uh, uh, really, really cool film. And uh, yeah, I mean, you are you. somebody who is out there being busy constantly, like I am. Uh, it's true. <laughs> we stay we, busy. We sure. do have that yeah, connection, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, that, and that was actually the first year the Nevada Women's Film Festival was at UNLV. So right. it was just like serendipitous. And then Doomed Shortcut, which you mentioned, was filmed in the building that the film festival was in. Mm -hmm. And so I was really excited. I kind of sat in the back uh, for that screening, and I could see you know, certain people kind of whispering to each other, hey, hey, that's the stairwell. Hey, that's that's the vending machine. Because they'd been, you know, at the festival, whether they were from out of town or whatever, uh, for a couple days at that point. So they were very familiar with that <laughs> building. So it was pretty Absolutely. cool. Absolutely. I, I was myself, too, uh, as a <laughs> former UNLV student. But uh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's 
always interesting to see a place you know very well uh, on film. So that was uh, definitely cool. Uh, but talking about dumb money. So first of all, uh, w- with a lot of my recent guests, you know, I'll throw them some options of what to talk about. And we'll maybe go back and forth trying to pick one out. You immediately were like, I want dumb money. So I'm curious. Uh, w- was it just a silly, ridiculous story? Do you have any skin in the game? Were you in- involved in trading in anything with this? Like, what, what was it that appealed to you about this one? So... I didn't really make any money. I, I do have a friend, Jackson. Shout out to Jackson Ellis, who uh, I partner up with uh, on a few different films uh, in the past. But uh, he made some money on that. Nice. But um, what I do remember is uh, the day that Robin Hood, which is where I was getting my little penny stocks, mm-hmm. would not let me buy or <laughs> sell or do anything. And, and I, I remember that day closing out my account and moving it elsewhere. Um, so, it, you know, it, I didn't really have skin in the game, but I do remember that happening and how it was highly illegal. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so I just, you know, and of course, you know, when you look at the cast, I mean, all of the high-level casts, Nick Offerman, Seth Rogen, uh, Pete Davidson, I was like, that's that's the film I want to watch to go on the podcast. So Nice, nice, right on. I, I think we should talk about one thing before we get into puzzle pieces here. Uh, it's something that's like really on my mind with this movie because honestly, it was one of the drawbacks of the film for me. And I, I'm mixed on it. I like things about it. I didn't like things about it. But one of the things that was a little tough for me, um, and it's not just the COVID stuff, but it, it's, it's just the very, very recent history stuff as a filmmaker i'm curious your thought on that like trying to tell a story that we literally just lived like like a is it too soon right right yeah and it's like we were all there we were all on our phones you know watching as all this stuff was unfolding like two years Mm -hmm. ago like is it is it too soon to bother telling a story like this You know, I, I, I didn't come away thinking that at all, mm-hmm. but I do think, I think you have a good point, but uh, on September 20th, uh, NPR on, uh, was it Planet Money? They mm-hmm. had a 20, 30 minute segment on the film Dumb Money, and the entire segment was, why this film? Why did they do it? Why did they get this stuff? Did you hear it? Did you? Did you... I, I didn't. No, that's okay. So you and that. the listeners have got to go and listen to it. And the whole premise of this NPR segment was right now. You know, Hollywood is trying to get things that people can relate to. That's mm-hmm. like huge. And with topical news stories, as soon as something like, uh, you know, uh, this. GameStop debacle happens, there are people writing books, they're optioning them, they're trying to get them made. The guy who ultimately ended up writing the story for it, uh, he just wrote a 10-page treatment. Right. And that's, you know, and and so it was these mad scramble to get it. So I think ultimately it was going to happen, whether it was MGM or someone else, because of where we are with Hollywood right now, oversaturated with streaming services and all these things. And so they have to get something that, you know, connects with people. And so is it, is it too soon? It might be, I think, I think you might have a good point, you know, it's need to, you know, take a step back, let it kind of, you know, which is kind of what happened in the past with things like Nixon and Watergate and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, Kennedy. I mean, 
the the uh, Oliver Stone film wasn't made till the 90s, right? That sounds so, about right. That sounds about right. Yeah. I remember right after 9-11, we had like five 9-11 movies right in a row. So mm-hmm, it's certainly mm-hmm. not the first time we had, uh, you know, something on a story like right away. So, but yeah, some of those examples though, I think have more staying power because, you know, we lived with the story for years and then we told a story about it. So, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, with that said, let's start getting into some puzzle pieces here. What do you have for your first puzzle piece for Dumb Money? So I have, I I actually, um, I have two different subsections of puzzle pieces, if that's okay. So my, my first segment, and if I can, I'll I'll do this as my first, but it's actually three. So I I see it as a trend, right? Of, of these kind of movies where they're fictionalizing something that really happened, like Flaming Hot. Did you watch that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The Tetris mm-hmm. film, uh, and of course, you know, Social Network, right? Sure. And then, of course, then talking about puzzle pieces that connect, right? So Sorkin wrote Social Network, but he also wrote the script for Too Big to Fail, which is also another one of these, you know, Wall Street, you know, things coming crashing down, what really happened kind of situation. So um, that's that's kind of my first first piece of it. The you know, films where, you know, obviously it's not necessarily influencing this one, mm-hmm. but it's like this trend. Well, I think Social Network certainly does. I, I think Social Network is definitely one. Was that on your list? I, it's not on my list, although it's one that I was thinking about while making my list, because I mean, you know, as far as, far as like talking about the ins and outs of the app-based economy and, you know, the way mm-hmm. that apps have influenced everything. And uh, I think it's an impossible one not to bring into this conversation. So I I think that definitely fits. And then certainly um, we actually did episodes on Flaming Hot and Tetris. And I believe the social network came up on both of those. So like clearly there's like a a thing happening right now with a lot of movies (laughs) that were inspired by what the social network pulled off. And and since we're on the subject of social network, I, I will say, you know, dumb money is not, a David Fincher film. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. David Fincher in how he shoots just what anyone else would shoot as a boring dialogue scene. I mean, the way he, he composes the shots and, and how he gets you to feel about the people that there was none of that in this film. And, and I, I find that kind of uh, sad, but also interesting because the guy who directed Dumb Money directed I, Tanya, mm-hmm. And I loved that movie. Sure, Again, which too. that was not on my puzzle pieces, but also another one of those recent yeah. history films. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and Craig Gillespie does have like a very like kind of kinetic, like fast paced style to him. And I feel like this movie was sold as that, but it's not really as fast paced as it probably should have been. But I, I still really like Craig Gillespie as a director. And uh, mm-hmm. I, like you said, I, Tanya, I really like that too. Um, back to the social network for one more uh, point on that. The score also very much is trying to be a Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score, um, but you know, eh, a, a little, a little not quite there, but um, but definitely trying to capture totally. that same kind of a feeling. Uh, so yeah, I mean, lots of social network influence here. I feel like I'll go to my first piece, which I don't bring up documentaries a lot as puzzle pieces, but I had to for this one, um, and that's a documentary from 2020 called Feels Good Man. Uh, it came out Ooh, right I as all this was that. happening, basically. Uh, yeah. And 
I almost feel like more than a stock market movie, uh, this is a movie about the internet and online culture and Reddit and uh, the ridiculousness of like meme culture and all the cats and shit on the internet and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And uh, feels good, man. Which is kind of how dumb money sort of, you know. Yeah, it's, it's like, like it's, that world. It's it's, it's yeah. the whole vibe of this particular world, and that movie feels good, man. Have you seen it? I have not. I, I, I yeah, wrote down a note. It, it's I really so good. It was it. literally my favorite movie of 2020, and uh, wow. the, so it, without like giving anything away, um, because it's a very strange documentary. You know, it's one of those ones that kind of like goes outside of its realm of what you originally expect it to be. But it's about that that cartoon Pepe the Frog, and how it was just this like innocent oh. little ridiculous cartoon of a frog. And then the right wingers all kind of took, took it, it over. and I might've seen it actually it, during it, lockdown. I, it, I do remember that. It's so crazy. And just the story of just how far away from its original intended purpose it got because of Reddit boards and the internet and all that stuff. And I feel like the people who were sharing you know, that the feels feels good man Pepe guy, like were the people that were in these same boards, the R slash Wall Street and that were you Wall, know, and of Wall course Street not, bets. Yeah, yeah, Wall Street bets, yeah. And you know, obviously there's good people and bad people in all these situations, but um yeah, like the the whole internet online culture thing, this movie feels like uh almost like it could be a companion piece for like where things continued after that point in time and just how it just kept getting sillier, more ridiculous. And uh, th that's why I had to go with that one for my first piece here. That's amazing. Yeah. So uh, another one that I had, since you went documentary, I'll go documentary. Um, Alex Winter, who was uh, from Bill and Ted, he just dropped a brand new documentary called The YouTube Effect. Oh, I want to see that. I've heard great things it, about it. It's it's so amazing. It really it really is, and it's it's very very much in line with Feels Good Man. But the reason I thought of it, a I had just finished watching it. I mean, literally, you know, on Friday, and then I watched Dumb Money on Sunday. But the reason I thought of it is because. In Dumb Money, there was re like every time they 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 cut to a news clip or every time it was the congressional hearings, it was the actual footage. It was the actual C-SPAN footage of AOC of whoever, mm -hmm. right? And so, and then when it cuts back to the family or the businesses or the hedge funds, so to me it felt like it was kind of like. Um, you know, those shows almost like Unsolved Mysteries where it was a reenactment. Yeah, right, sure. So in my mind, I was like, okay, well, you've got, you know, all these heavy hitters doing the reenactments. It's kind of a cross between, you know, drunk history, but it's <laughs> not really as funny, right. you know. And so in my mind, just initially, and again, films, you have to sit with them and, and, and they, you know, kind of come back at you and, and all the stuff. But just walking out of the theater, I was like, you should have just made a documentary. You right. know, if you were going to do that, you should have just done what Alex did with the YouTube effect. Um, and I think it would have been more powerful because, you know, again, and, and you, you mentioned something earlier about how it was marketed. I mean, in like leading up to this podcast, I was getting ads for dumb money on YouTube. And it's like this, this you know, funny you know you know scream out loud laughing i'm like i didn't really like it was there was funny moments mm -hmm. but i didn't really feel like it was a comedy you right. know and so 
I don't know. I, I, I was like, that should have been a documentary. So yeah, Alex uh, Winters, uh, the YouTube effect was my next one. I, I'm definitely looking forward to watching that. And yeah, and that actually ties right back to what I was saying before we started on puzzle pieces, how it feels a little too soon because it's like, mm-hmm. we have all this footage. We could just jump on TikTok or YouTube or whatever and probably see these clips of these people talking, which are actual scenes in the movie. Like, you know right. what I mean? So it's, right. yeah, it's, it's exactly. a very strange timing to put something like this out, but um, I'm going to go, you know, there's a lot of greed movies that we could talk about in this. And I don't know, you might have some, I, I the one that I wanted to go to specifically because of uh, the youth angle of it uh, is a film called Boiler Room. Uh, Giovanni yes, Ribisi. that was on my list. Was it? Nice, nice. I love that movie. Giovanni but... Ribisi, Ben Affleck, uh, Vin Diesel uh, early on when he was still Yeah, he was so young. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but a great, great movie that like, you know, goes along with the whole idea of these money schemes and people getting sucked into them and some of them getting sucked in and then used up and spit out. Some of them hopefully making it through to the other side. Uh, but not in that and the like, moral dilemma and the moral yeah. dilemma of it all absolutely and and not in the fast-paced crazy kind of way of some of these other like greed-based movies but more of a just matter-of-factness to it and like this like you said moral dilemma like this is just like are we really going to let ourselves get you know carried away with all this mm-hmm. and i feel like most of the major players in the dumb money story are generally good people like you know down to it and they just kind of you know they're getting carried away with this like crazy situation they've gotten themselves into and it it never really does go off of the bad end this is almost like a the good side of that kind of a story here in dumb Mm -hmm. money which is an interesting thing and kind of a cool thing and kind of leans into nerd culture i think totally yeah and i knew and we both knew there was going to be some overlaps on these and that I'm glad that was on your list too. Yeah. That's a fun overlap to have for sure. Boiler room rules. And I, I've been wanting to rewatch it for years. Great, uh, acting, um, you know, and again, none of this like cutting away to actual clip stuff. I mean, it was just rooted in, this is the fictionalized story of these people. I loved it. I, I really, that's, that's one of my favorite, uh, you know, money wall street kind of movies absolutely absolutely well since you also had that one i will go uh to another one another obvious one i think that we can just kind of throw in here and maybe you even had two and that's the big short from adam mckay Mm -hmm. uh definitely also talking about very recent history also talking about uh you know money and greed and the collapse of all of these markets and everything that went on and uh also a a movie that really wants to just kind of information dump you whether it's talking to the camera showing clips Mm -hmm. conversations between characters that are just giving all kinds of info on how all this crap works um which quite frankly i need because i'm an idiot and i don't know anything about stocks Mm -hmm. or any of that stuff Mm -hmm. so you know i'm happy that these movies are kind of talking down to me a little bit but uh it's also i don't know if it works 100 percent as a movie but um you know it all that information there's a lot to get out and so both of these movies take that approach of just a constant barrage of information of everything that's going on with all the key players. Yeah, and uh, you know, the big short, I, I would say, the main difference, because so, that was also on my list. The main, the main um, difference for me, though, was that with game 
stop. I feel like if anyone even had an inkling of what happened there, whether it was from Twitter or YouTube or, you know, the nightly news, they kind of knew GameStop. They kind of knew it was a stock thing. With the big short, though, once all those banks, you know, you know, the 2008, um, what was it called? Subprime mortgage lenders, like mm-hmm. everything crashed. Then they all got the bailout. I don't think the American public even really knew to the extent of what happened. And so for me, I really appreciated the big short yeah. for doing that. Um, but also for some, and you know, while I was watching dumb money, the big short kept coming at me because like you said, both of them have a lot of exposition and they need it to, to tell us exactly what, you know, is going on. Yeah. But I feel like the big short did it in a way where it wasn't a conventional film way. It, you know, we're trying to get something so heady. Okay, now it's Margot Robbie in a bathtub. You know what I mean? And they kind of went on a limb, almost a t- surreal, you know, Italian 70s style. Sure. So not not to say that it's any better or any worse than, than this film. But, I, you know, again, I, I, that, that was the main distinction for me where I think the big short really was necessary. Uh, in in kind of telling the American public, well, this is exactly what happened with those bailouts. So right, I right. think you should probably be angry. Yeah, you should. Um, whereas you GameStop, should it's kind of like, yeah, okay, well, that happened. You know, again, I, I feel like dumb money, to me, it, it, you know, I, I don't want to knock it because I didn't dislike it. Sure. But it was just a cr- chronological look at, a certain time period within one person's life. You know what I mean? And so Big Short was a little bit more ambitious, a little bit more effective, I didn't in think, my opinion. I didn't think of this when I would, like put it on my list, but in a way, the, this movie, Dumb Money, almost operates with the knowledge that you've probably seen The Big Short. And so you have... Mm-hmm. some idea of the shit going on in this world and in, in, in almost as if if you like that kind of movie you're yeah. probably gonna watch this too yeah, yeah. you want to get mad again but a little less mad <laughs> uh watch our movie but uh what do you got for another puzzle piece so you know and since we've kind of uh had each other's lists and i kind of you know went all out and gave three on my first one i only have one left okay. and again this is also a documentary, but something that I feel inadvertently could have uh, influenced the filmmakers on this one, and I it's um, Capitalism, A Love Story uh, from Michael Moore. Yeah, sure. Uh, sure. I think it was 2018, 2019, somewhere in there, before COVID. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not like Michael Moore's earliest films, but... Uh, it's definitely a look at capitalism, Wall Street, you know, all of that. Um, and, you know, it, it just made me think, uh, you know, that that those, you know, some of those talking points and ideas kind of, you know, filtered their way through into the screenplay here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I And again, you can almost draw that line from the big short to that to to this mm-hmm. and like just we're we're all pissed and we continue to be pissed about all this stuff that's happening and you know as as we learned in a lot of the postscript yes some people uh you know uh, really kind of got it you know Seth Rogen's character uh kind of drawing a blanker uh Gabe Plotkin but uh you know 
most people do not, you know, they just get away with it and they just keep going. And so, you know, there's certainly a reason to stay pissed. And, you know, that that movie absolutely will make you pissed. So for sure, it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the silliest thing, uh, again, going back to that Planet Money uh, segment that you've got to go listen to. Um, in the end, the, basically, they were so amped on filming Dumb Money and being the first to get a you know GameStop movie out there, because uh, multiple people were working on their own version. I'm sure right? um, that in the midst of all of this, they eventually got all the green lights to get ready to film this thing, and then Amazon bought MGM, and everything mm-hmm. came to a standstill. So the filmmakers had to go to a. Uh, a mutual fund company (laughs) to buy the movie from Amazon so they could start filming. I mean, it's just, it's so funny and silly. And so the people who were angry at are the people who finance dumb money to get made. I don't know. It's just ah, so um, tongue in cheek sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And funding movies and, that's that's absolutely so right. That's absolutely right. I, I only have two more pieces, <laughs> but before I go to them, you know, just you know, you were just talking about that story about how like there's all these different parties that wanted to make this story. Mm-hmm. I think for a brief little tangent here, just to talk about the cast, because I feel like the first one of these stories to get Paul Dano to play Keith Gill was gonna be the one to make it because he was like born oh, to play this yeah. part. He's perfect. Totally, totally. And 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 I think that was one of the few things that this team had on their side was the cast. The yeah. cast had already signed on by the time Amazon swooped in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I will go to, uh, so like I said, I have two more pieces. One's, a, a, I think, a good one, and the other one's maybe more of a silly one. But um, I'll start with the good one, and that is Office Space, the Mike Judge comedy. Mm. Um, talking about nerds devising a plan, and then that plan kind of going way better than they ever could have expected it to and (laughs) then they have to deal with the consequences of that it might sound like i'm joking but at the same time that this is kind of the real life version of that happening and uh it's one of the best comedies ever and what i love about office space is that it was crypto before crypto right the 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 fraction of the penny situation i mean how mike judge is just a, a genius He's so good. He's so good. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just, just an incredibly funny and perfect and just timeless movie. I, I love Office Space so much. So good. The, the other thing I was going to bring up, and uh, th- this kind of is to Keith Gill kind of getting all of his millions of followers to hold, 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 reminded me a lot of like every war movie. Um, whether you go Braveheart or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, maybe Army of Darkness or Lord of the Rings or something like that, any, any war movie where the leader is like, hold, hold, mm-hmm. like that's like kind of the, that's the thing that I think they wanted to get across that this guy had everybody just on his every word and they were going to hold no matter what to make sure that this all went down. And it basically did go down. I don't know how true to life the story is, but at least within this version of the story, it all, they held. Yeah, no, you're right. It's it's like with the archers, they're getting ready. They're like, hold, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, wait for it. Yeah. And that's exactly, yeah. So that, 
I think worked out very well. And even though you say it's a silly example, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think it's, you know, definitely, definitely war movies. I didn't even, I didn't even think of that, but great. (laughs) Right on, right on. So I'll read down the list of puzzle pieces we just talked about, and then we'll get into some closing thoughts here. We talked about Flamin' Hot, Tetris, and the social network, then Feels Good Man, the YouTube effect, Boiler Room, Capitalism, A Love Story, Office Space, and War Movies. Um, I Really kind of all over the place there, but um, a lot of interesting stuff, I think, that kind of uh, went together into this one. Any, uh, any closing thoughts? Anything we didn't quite talk about that you wanted to bring up here? Um, I just want to say you might have said them and I might have missed them, but I think The Big Short and Too Big to Fail as oh, well, sure. unless you, you caught those. I, I, no, I missed those. I, you so went yeah. a little too quick there, but uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a good film. I think the filmmakers did a good job. Um, you know, I, it got a little static for me. Again, I'm I'm a David Fincher fan, where sure. the camera is constantly moving. You know, or you think of like the Spielberg Wonder, right? Yeah. And this was just Talking Heads for the most part. And I think they could have, you know, they they wanted to make a fictionalized movie, but I think it would have been more effective as a documentary. And I think that's why we, you know, some of these, most of these puzzle pieces were documentaries. Right. Right. Um, Anyway, that's, that's my two cents. Yeah. I didn't even realize that you're totally right about that. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really interesting point. And yeah, just to, to the point of, you know, it not being, you know, as kind of hyper as maybe the trailers, the trailers kind of led on that this was going to be the Wolf of Wall Street with nerds basically you know and it's it's not that it's more of just a story it's just a story about this thing that happened a few years ago that is kind of at the center of nerd culture and as well as wall street and uh you know some of that stuff that's going on but um but yeah i mean overall enjoyable wall street and occupy wall street you know both sides of that coin Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, right on. I, I think that does it for Dumb Money. Uh, cool. Shab, is there another movie you watched recently you'd like to recommend to our listeners? So, a film that I recently watched that I absolutely uh, was blown away with was, um, and I hope I'm not butchering it, but uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Oh, sure. And I caught it on this service called Canopy mm-hmm. uh, with a K, which is exactly where I saw the YouTube effect. So if you're in the US or UK, you can watch Alex Winter's YouTube effect on Canopy for free. All you need is a library card and that gets you your credits. Um, but yeah, um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, um, absolutely beautiful. Um, I think that was the director's first period piece. Mm-hmm. Um, every shot looked like it was a painting come to life with the colors and the composition, uh, clothing. Um, it's definitely a, a very, very good example of a film that has a female gaze versus mm-hmm. a male gaze. Um, the main, Not only are the main characters women but there's hardly ever men on screen they're Mm. either talked about or they're like the you know workers um anyway brilliant brilliant film i i absolutely fell in love with it yeah no wonderful movie um definitely a great recommendation Uh, i think that was one of the last movies i saw before everything shut down in 2020 speaking Mm. this is obviously a big pandemic movie dumb money so speaking of that time but uh (laughs) But yeah, great recommendation. Uh, Shahab, tell people where they can find you and your work. 
Uh, you can find my films at thinkspeak.org. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you're ever at UNLV, I'm more than likely hanging around the fine arts somewhere. Let's come say hi. Right on. Well, thank you so much for doing the show, and uh, hopefully we can get you back again sometime. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Have you ever been reading through a stack of comics and thought, maybe I should see what the Sarkham Asylum game is all about? Or been playing Marvel vs. Capcom and felt like you were at a real disadvantage since you didn't know who half the characters were? Well, Play Comics is the show for you. I'm Chris, and each episode we take a look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that source material. So whether you know the comics and want to know how all these games work, or you know the games and want to find out where all this craziness came from, go check out Play Comics at playcomics.com or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. All right, so I hope you enjoyed that conversation about dumb money. Thanks to Shahab for joining me on that one, and thank you to all of you for listening. If you're enjoying piecing it together, of course, make sure you're subscribed wherever it is that you're listening. And you could always drop us a five-star rating and review. Apple Podcasts, Good Pod, Spotify, wherever you can drop a five-star rating or review. I would appreciate that. You could also follow us on social media at PiecingPod. Join our Facebook group, Popcorn and Puzzle Pieces. And don't forget about the Produced by David Rosen Patreon, where I post bonus and advanced content for piecing it together from Awesome Movie Year, and from my music career. Lots of great stuff over there. I actually just released an exclusive album, uh, which is the film score to a film called Jacqueline, a horror movie that is exclusive to the Patreon. But next week, I'm actually going to be releasing another film score from that same director, Chris Johnson. Uh, But this one will be a full official release on all the streaming services and all that stuff it's called blind malice it'll be out next friday so a lot of music on the way plus all of my 2024 plans which i will be announcing very very soon lots and lots and lots of stuff on the way uh but yeah the patreon produced by david rosen it's patreon.com slash by david rosen if you want to sign up there are advanced episodes of piecing it together i've got a bunch of other stuff planned for it and bonus episodes of Awesome Movie Year. Lots of great stuff. Check it out. So with that said, let's close this out with a piece of music like I always do. And you know what? Actually, even though uh, Dumb Money is much more of like a uh, fun, silly, goofy kind of movie, um, I've got this album coming out next week, so I might as well play a track from it, right? I'm going to play a track from Blind Malice, the film score that I am releasing next Friday, October 6th. And uh, let's see, what should I play? I'm going to play... I'm going to play a track called Let the Right One In. This is from the score to Blind Malice. Hope you enjoy it. We'll be back with more Piecing It Together real soon.
West Production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.